To celebrate Christmas Day, we're sharing with you a special bonus broadcast from Dr. Cook's 1987 Christ My Life video series called All My Needs Supplied. From everyone here at Walk with the King, Merry Christmas. Hello again, friends. How in the world are you? Well, today we're going to look at the fourth chapter of Philippians. And the key verse there for many of us is Philippians 4.19, one that you've often quoted, I'm sure. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, how does that work? It certainly is a fact with many of us that we have prayed for a lot of things and uh, they just didn't happen. I can remember when I was a boy of, I suppose, seven or eight, something like that. Uh, I, was, uh, I played violin and uh, my father was giving me two violin lessons a week and I had to practice two hours a day and then I was being tutored by some of the profs in the commercial school where he worked. It was quite a regime, I'll tell you. But uh, I learned to play the violin reasonably well. You didn't know I was a violinist, did you? <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> but I played then. And so one day at church, a lady came up to me with this sheet of music, far too advanced for me and said, Robert, maybe you'd like to work on this. I said, I thanked her very much and brought it home, put it in the bottom drawer of the chest of drawers that was my own particular bailiwick and forgot it. Well, some months later, she came up to me and she said, have you ever played that music that, uh, that I gave you? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I haven't gotten around to it. She said, could you give it back to me? So, all right, I would. And I went on home and opened the bottom drawer to look for that sheet of music and to my utter dismay, I found that the mice had been there and chewed half of it up. It was ruined. Well, what was I going to do? I had been taught that you don't, you don't uh, use carelessness with other people's property, and I was in trouble. What was I going to do? I thought, I'll pray. So I remember holding that ruined piece of sheet music in my hand, standing there in the hallway beside that chest of drawers, and praying, and I said, oh God, fix this. And I thought, well, I'll risk one eye. So I opened one eye, looked at it, and it was still the same. Now, of course, God answered my prayer by teaching me that you, that you mustn't be careless with other people's possessions, and I learned the lesson and had to go back and apologize to the lady. I can remember, <laughs> I can remember standing in front of, a, of the Harley-Davidson shop in Toledo, Ohio, on Monroe Street, and looking at that that beautiful one-cylinder motorcycle that they had, that would have been back in 1928. Can you believe it? I'm such a young man, and here I can remember that far back. <laughs> well, anyhow, standing in front of the motorcycle shop, praying, oh, God, give me a motorcycle. Well, he didn't, because that was probably the best thing he could do for me, keep me from killing myself on that thing at that point. Anyhow, you and I have had the experience of having what we thought was a need and not having it supplied. Have you been broke? I know what that is. I know what it is to go past the butcher shop and wish you had enough money to buy a pork chop or two there in the butcher's showcase. Sure, I know what it is to be hungry and to be broke. And in God's work, it seems like you're always playing catch up, isn't it? Always too much month at the end of the money, right? Needs, what about this? 
Number one, God will never let you down on the basis of real need. I have to tell you, there has never been a time when I brought a real need to my Lord and continued in prayer, but that God didn't answer the prayer. Either he showed me how to manage or he supplied the extra that was needed. Yes, that's true. God does supply needs. But when it comes right down to it, when we say need, N-double-E-D, we often think only in terms of dollars or material things. Isn't that true? I need money. I need a house. I need a car. I need some clothes or whatever it may be. When it comes down to it, the greatest needs have to do with something quite different and much more basic. And I want to show you that from this fourth chapter of Philippians. Okay? Now, the first great need in your life that has to be settled is the people need. He says in chapter 4 of Philippians that the folk in Philippi are his beloved and his longed for, his joy and crown. Get yourself some people whom you've led to the Lord so that you can rejoice with them over that. You have a need to belong to somebody in Christ. Do you realize that? You need to belong to somebody in Christ with a real warm heart relationship. Now don't tell me you're a loner, that you're a lone wolf and you don't need that. Yes, you do. You need people and they need you and they will become, the folk you lead to Christ will become just as this was with Paul, dearly beloved, longed for joy and crown. Find people who, to whom you belong in the work of the Lord and let them have a hold on your heartstrings. Good idea? Now, the other side of this people thing is you need help in dealing with people. Here were Euodius and Syntyche. Any of you old-timers remember Dr. Harry Ironside, Pastor Moody Church for many years? When he came to this passage, he had some pet names for Euodia and Syntyche. He called them Odious and Suntachi. <laughs> well, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But they were at odds with each other. And he said, I beseech you, Odious and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And you, he said, help those women, because they labored with me in the gospel. Christ is the supplier of your people need. Number one, people to whom you can belong in, in the bands of his love. Number two, people whom you need to help because they get crosswise of each other and they are at odds with each other and they need to be reconciled. How do you do that? He said, help them. Most folk who disagree have a deep need of some sort. They, they, they are longing for some help at certain points where they're hurting. If you will find out where they're hurting and help them, God will enable you to meet the people need at that juncture. Argument does no good. But if you can get people together in the presence of the Lord and let his tender touch help them where they're hurting, you're going to solve the people need. See, when you get next to Jesus, you find that he's the supplier of the people need. He'll get you together with people. He'll get people together with each other if you can bring them into his presence. He is himself the supply of the people need. Isn't that a precious truth? Well, what else? 
Well, all of us are worriers now and again. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and let your moderation be known unto all men. And then he said, be careful, that's care-filled or worried, for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And as a result, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How does Christ Jesus, our Lord, supply our need for a cure for worry? Well, it, it comes about exactly as he mentioned it here. First of all, if you learn to rejoice in the Lord, it's going to defuse many a painful situation. If you learn to rejoice in the Lord, it's going to defuse many a painful situation. You're, you're on your way to a meeting somewhere and you have a flat tire. It's raining. And in order to change the tire, you get, you get wet. And then cars going by splash muddy water on you. You're all upset. But you remember, it says rejoice in the Lord. And you look up and say, Lord, I don't like it. I don't like to get wet and muddy and all of this and be delayed on my way to this meeting. But I'm going to rejoice in you. I love you. Hallelujah anyway. You may never discover it, but when you get to glory, light does not. The recording angel will show you the page where God just delayed you long enough to keep you from having a wreck. Oh, yeah. God's delays are all, they're never accidents. They're always planned. Rejoice in the Lord. Worry, a lot of the things about which we worry can be defused if you just keep your eyes on Jesus and rejoice in him, knowing that he's going to do the right thing by you. He hath done all things well, they said. And he still is in the business of doing the right thing by you. Then he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Consistency, sweet reasonableness is what Dr. Ironside used to call it. Let your consistency or your sweet reasonableness be known unto all men. How does that have anything to do with worry? Simply, if you're, if you're plowing a consistent course through life, you're going to have far less aberrations in the daily schedule about which to worry. Operating principles mean so much. Have an operating principle by which you live, and you'll find you have less to worry about. You know that? For instance, what do you do? What do you do in answering your mail? Now, I've got a few letters that uh, are waiting to be answered right on my desk right now, so I'm not... I'm not touting myself as a paragon of virtue here, but I know what I'm talking about when I say you need an operating principle. Here's one. Whenever you open a letter and read it, do something about it right then. Write down on the margin of the letter what you have to do to answer it. You'll save yourself lots of time rather than have to pick it up and say, oh, what does this say? Right there it is for you. Have an operating principle in terms of uh, meeting your obligations. What do you mean, Brother Cook? Well, uh, the first of the month and the 15th of the month or whenever you want to schedule it, always you're going to look at your bills. If you can't pay them, you're going to arrange to pay them. You're going to operate on the principle, I have to pay my bills. And instead of, uh, of shoving them aside and hoping that something will happen and all of that, you have an operating principle. 
Well, the same thing is true in every area of life. Your sweet reasonableness, your moderation, your consistency, you're operating your life on the basis of established principles. Then what else? He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Everything by prayer. Now, by is a leverage word. I'm lifting this Bible, this precious book, I'm lifting it by the pressure that I'm exerting through my hand and arm, upper arm and shoulder muscles. I'm lifting it by that pressure. The, the force of gravity is still in, in play. If I let go of it, it will drop. But I'm lifting it by this. He says everything by prayer. Prayer is God's divine leverage. Prayer is God's method of getting things done. So often I've told people, don't call a committee meeting, call a prayer meeting. Pray through the agenda of your meeting before you start talking about it. It'll be a shorter meeting and people go home happier. That's a fact. Pray before you answer the phone. You don't know who's on the other end of the wire. Could be somebody to bless you or somebody to bless you out. <laughs> Pray before you open a letter. Could be a check or a bill, there's a difference. Pray before you go on a date, I tell the young people. You'll have less praying to do during and after. Pray before you make these decisions in your life. Pray before you hire someone. God knows whether he's pure gold or a gold brick. There's a difference. And so when the day is finished, you can turn out the pocket full of memories and say, thank you, Lord, for leading me all through the day. And you haven't had to worry because you prayed. Now, it's specific praying, and it's thankful praying. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Supplication means be definite. It isn't, Lord, just bless me. That's like going to the grocery store and say, give me groceries. Well, he say, which groceries? God wants you to say what you want. Ask what I shall do for thee, God said to Solomon. Jesus met the blind men and said, what will ye that I do unto you? He knew they were blind, but he wanted to hear them say it. Ask me concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands. Command ye me, God says through the prophet Isaiah. Isn't it plain enough? God wants us to tell him specifically. When ye pray, say, our Father. Jesus wants you to say something to him. When it comes right down to it, many of us are very empty and banal and shallow in what we say to God. We interlard our praying with, with non-meaningful expressions, with dear Heavenly Fathers and O Lords and so on. And we sort of interlard it there in, in the absence of any thought. Make a prayer list. Do you have a prayer list? Get yourself a little blank book and put your requests on the left-hand facing page. And then when God gives you the answer, mark down the answer and the date on the right-hand facing page. So as you read it, in days to come, you can see what the Lord has done for you. That's so encouraging. Prayer and supplication. Now it says, with thanksgiving. And that means you take it by faith. You thank him for it even before it arrives. And you can do that. It's not kidding yourself because you're dealing with the God who always keeps his promise. He's not going to break his promise today or tomorrow. He keeps his word. Just like a parent who makes a promise is going to keep that word for his little child, so our loving Heavenly Father keeps his promise. Ye who are the Lord's remembrancers, give him no rest until he establish peace in Zion, says the Bible. God loves to be reminded. 
Just like a little child will say to a parent or a grandparent, you promised me. Oh, how they like to remind you. Well, God likes to be reminded. There was a day when our two older girls were still uh, small children, and we didn't have much to do with, but we decided that if we, if we, we just scrimped a little and saved a little here and there, we could afford a two-wheeler bike for the two of them. They'd have to share it, but at least they'd have a two-wheeler bike uh, between the two of them. And so one day, uh, Mother and I got them together, and we said, now, girls, if you'll be very, very good, we think we may be able to get you a two-wheeler bike. And well, they were just out of their guard with delight. Oh, they were ecstatic. And the first thing they did was to bound out of the front door, down the stairs, onto the sidewalk to meet their little playmates. And they said, we got a bicycle, we got a bicycle. <laughs> Can't you see them? Well, one of the neighbors who was skeptical came up and said, where is it? And one of the girls said, Papa said we're going to get one. Papa said, that's all that was necessary for them. Well, you parents and grandparents know that you would just break your neck to be faithful to a promise like that. And we came through, and on time, you may be sure, Papa said. You can look up to your Heavenly Father, Abba Father, Papa God. And you can depend on His word. He will not fail. There hath not failed one word of His good promise, is the record that they said of Him. Now, how do you relate to all of that? Can you reach out by faith and take from God the supply of the need about which you're praying? Someone helped me very much years ago in a little booklet, the author of which I don't know, and I don't know where it was printed. I only know it had a red cover. <laughs> but it talked about prayer. And what that author said was, don't spend all your time on the problem. You can tell God in 17 words or less what the problem is. Pray toward the answer. As you pray, believe God and visualize in your heart and in your faith that God is answering your heart's cry. Let your faith reach out and visualize the answer. Now, that isn't the whole truth, obviously. Uh, I don't go along with the, with the school of belief that they call the name it and claim it school. You know, it isn't quite that easy. There's no easy formula of prayer. But I do believe with all my heart that when you pray, you should follow what the Lord Jesus Christ told us when he said, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for what you're going to do. See, there you have it. He's the supply of your need of a cure for worry. Well, what else? You need a managed, programmed mind. The Lord Jesus Christ can meet your need along that line. We talked about that a little bit back in the second chapter of Philippians. We come across it again. Finally, brethren, he says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. A programmed mind. How do you do this? You do it by putting the Word of God into your mind and memory and meditating on it, thinking about it, and then letting go of it so that it can get back into the computer portion of your mind. This works if you want to get a new idea. 
Think about any subject very hard. Write down all your thoughts on that subject. Mull over them. Think over them until your mind is weary with the effort. And then deliberately put them aside. I can guarantee you, you'll have a new idea out of that process. It may come to you while you're shaving or driving or whatever, but you'll get some new ideas if you'll follow that process. You take some data, in this case, the Word of God, you think about it, you pray about it, you meditate on it, you work hard over it mentally, and then you chuck it back into your subconscious or your unconscious mind. That's how you put the Word of God into your mind. The need of a programmed mind comes through making the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your mind. And you do that through the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, change his behavior, modify his character, in other words. Wherewithal shall he do that? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Then you need a strategy. You need a strategy for action. And he, again, is that person. Those things which you have seen, learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now you've got a beautiful triad of truth there. Pray, verse 6. Think, verse 8. Do, in verse 9. Three wonderful concepts that will really meet your need. You pray about it. You pray definitely. You pray believingly. You think about it, and then you take the step of action. Believe me this, there is always the possibility of a step of obedience whenever you dare to pray about anything. Do you know that? There is always the possibility of a step of faith and obedience whenever you pray about anything. God's faithful Holy Spirit will drop into your mind the idea of something you can do to obey God about that very matter. And this begins then the process of his miracle answer. Always look for something that God is asking you to do whenever you pray and think about something. Will you get hold of that? Always look for something that God is asking you to do whenever you pray and think about something earnestly that constitutes a need. Now what else? Well, we all have a need for contentment. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, I've got everything I need. I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. I can do all things through Christ. I, in other words, I can do anything Jesus asks me to do and I'll be content. What's the secret of contentment? The secret of contentment is to know that you're under his orders. Whatever he asks you to do, he'll enable you to do. Second, his orders always include the best for you. Whether it's to be abased or to abound, to be full or to be hungry, to be enriched or to suffer need, circumstances are always under the control of your blessed Lord if you are committed to Him. That's a profound truth, and one which, when you get hold of it, will revolutionize your whole life. Contentment is not lying back like a clam at high tide and letting the waves wash over you. That isn't contentment. That's passivity. Contentment is an active reception of the will of God with the knowledge that Jesus is doing the right thing by you and that he's enabling you to do God's will, whatever that may be. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. 
You follow that? Oh, to be content is more than just lying there and letting the world roll over you. To be content means doing your best by the grace of God with the enablement of the Holy Spirit with the good solid knowledge that Jesus doeth all things well. I'm his, he is mine, and I'm on my way to glory, and it's all right. A dear friend of mine was stricken with cancer. She had just lost her daughter in an accident, and the whole family was devastated, and now they discover that she had cancer. And uh, as the months went by, they discovered that the cancer was metastasizing and was spreading throughout her body and she would no doubt soon uh, slip away from us. And it was a rough, rough experience. She came and sat in my office for a while and we talked and prayed. And you, you don't really know what to say to people who are facing such tremendous tests as that. The best thing to do is not to try to say much of anything but just to express God's love and, and pray and, and bring the presence of God into it, which is what I did. And when we got through praying, I said, God bless you. She looked at me and she said, it's all right. And I looked a little surprised, I guess. And she repeated it. She said, Brother Bob, it's all right. I'm his and he is mine and I'm in his will. And her face just shone. It was shining. She said, it's all right. Now that's contentment. You're facing circumstances that may be, from the world's point of view, the worst. But you're facing them with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're able to say, as you shine, it's all right. Now you wind this up, and Christ is the supply of our need himself. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your big need is a person to share your life. Oh, let him share every part of all of your life, and you'll find that his presence, his presence is the greatest supply of all. Let's pray. Dear Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank thee for the supply of our needs, and we ask that we might have the good sense to depend on our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen and amen. Well, until I meet you again, walk with the King today and be a blessing.